0: Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of the Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. This is Autumn Miles back with you. Autumn Miles show. Happy Sunday out there. I hope you guys have had an incredible morning this morning. I know that maybe some of you are headed um, from church or lunch or anything like that. Maybe you're on your way home. Welcome to the show. I hope you have 25 minutes to hang with me. Um, I have, a, a, you know, it is the week before Thanksgiving and um I have this message for you guys. I I feel like there is such an attack on hope in our um, world today. Um, you know, we we just got through a totally insane um, presidential race where, oh my goodness gracious! I would get messages from people. From all over the country, you know, dealing with anxiety and they're freaking out and what if and what if and what if and, um, you know, we sort of live, we have learned to live in this what if in our society, Um, what if this happens? Um, I'll lose everything. Um, and and I want to address that today. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, and I'm so thankful for so many things today. My goodness, I am thankful um, to be an American. I'm thankful to live in this country. I am thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for my husband and my four beautiful children. I'm thankful for the show. There's so many things I could go on and on and on. Um, but in the vein of being thankful, you know, I think of the holidays. I think of the future. I think of a brand new year that's coming up. Um, I wonder I wonder if maybe you're there or maybe you're not. Um, maybe you're lacking hope today for your future. Uh, maybe you've been waiting for something for a very long time and it just has not happened for you yet. Uh, well, hopefully this is the message by God's grace that will encourage you towards hope. Um, I, I I actually um, spoke about this a couple of weeks ago and it really um, it really hit, hit a nerve with the audience. you know, we need to restore hope. We need to restore hope to our souls, um, to our church, that God is who he says he is. He does not change. He, we can count on him no matter what. If we have a promise, God backs up that promise and fulfills that promise. If he has given it every single time. And I want you to know today, if, um, if that's you, um, listen up. Hebrews 11, one says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. Right now we see in Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's a two-part definition here in Hebrews. It's number one, the assurance of things hoped for. Four. Number two, the conviction of things not seen. Now, this tells me because faith, according to Hebrews 11, one is a two part message. If you don't have one of these parts, you can't have faith. It is it is the definition for faith. So if you don't have the assurance of things hoped for. You don't have faith. You need hope and the assurance of hope and the assurance of a promise um, to to literally couple that with the conviction of things not seen in order to have faith. And we talk about faith so much in our in our country, in our Christian world. You know, we hear it from the pulpits and, you know, praise God. It is it is the foundation of uh, Christianity faith. But if you can't hope. You can't get there. And I feel like some of us today, we're trying to have faith and we're looking at people in our communities and we're, we're um, in our in our church. And we're like, how do we get that great faith? How do we get faith? I, I want to have that faith. And we're struggling with how do I get from no faith whatsoever to <clears throat> great faith uh, like I see in this person. and And the process is this. Number one, the assurance of things hoped for. You have to hope in something. And I believe it, you have to hope in a promise of God. I built my entire life hoping in a promise, um, assuring myself through the word of God, even though I have not seen it yet. So if you're trying to go from no faith to great faith, you have to have this one, uh, prerequisite, which is hope. And Satan comes in and he tells us, um, you know, uh, 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 you can't have great faith, and 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 you know he wants to steal our faith if we have had it or or if we're sort of working towards us. He uh, one of his biggest um, things that he wants to take from us is our faith because he knows that number one, with faith it is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But it also is the avenue to the miraculous, and he knows that if he can. Um, if he can mess with your hope, if he can get you depressed, if he can get you questioning, if he can get you distracted, if he can get you anywhere other than hopeful, he will take your faith from you. So he doesn't even have to attack your great faith, he can attack your hope. And if he has your hope, he'll take your faith. And I'm just so um, annoyed. At The enemy when he does it, John 10, 10, you'll know this verse. If you follow, if you've been a Christian, um, any amount of time, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that I may have life and have it more abundantly. Satan is after whatever you will give him. That's why we have to be vigilant because he roams like a roaring lion. We have to be aware. We have to be connected. We have to be laser focused. We have to be gangster. Like I like to say, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Proverbs thirteen twelve says this hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Satan wants to replace your hope today. What is he replacing it with you guys freaking out uh, um, about, uh, I don't know, maybe the state of our country. Are you freaking out about your marriage? Are you freaking out that you can't have kids and you've wanted them for years and years and years? Uh, is, Is your debt out of control? Do you not know how you're going to pay your bills? Well, here's what I know about God is he promises to be a shepherd and lead us out and lead us as sheep and lead us out of danger. That is the whole, that is, he is the great shepherd, the Bible tells us he will lead you out. So you have to watch the shepherd. You have to follow behind the shepherd. You have to be engaged with the shepherd as he leads you out. But if Satan comes in, um, and gets the sheep's attention and stirs the flock, he will, um, he will distract you and keep you, uh, from faith and keep you from, um, any sort of encouragement whatsoever. He wants to replace your hope today so he can take your faith he desires and I love this word assassinate I know it's a really you know super severe word but I feel like he he just wants to assassinate any sort of hope that we have and as we're looking at Thanksgiving and the holiday season I want your hope to be restored some of us have had these intense desires. We've had this intense desire to do something, dreams. We, won't, we, we have we've had these dreams and at one time it was a big deal. And, you know, you really hoped for these dreams. But as time has gone by and you've not seen any fulfillment of the dreams, it, that dream has become what could have been uh, what, what, what could be to what could have been and we're walking around and maybe we did have a promise from God 20 years ago that we were going to accomplish and do, and we were going to be and all this kind of stuff. But, but because the length of time has passed, you know, we were hopeful for a while, but then Satan came in somewhere and he replaced that hope with um, negativity and he replaced that hope with doubt and he replaced that hope with anxiety. And we accepted the replacement for hope. And the one, when we, um, accepted the replacement for hope, it immediately assassinated our faith for that promise. And all of a sudden, what could be is what could have been. And I I just, I can't stand the fact that Christians are living today um, uh, having those conversations. Well, I could have been this. Well, God told me this, but you know, it never happened. So, um, I, for a while it was really hopeful and, you know, those days are gone and, you know, I've just settled for the, whatever, whatever, a normal life. That's not really exciting. No, what is he saying? John 10, 10, God, I have come that you may have life. Jesus is saying this and have it more abundantly. So if you are not living a more abundant life, Satan has come in, he's stolen, He's killed something or he's destroyed it. And I believe that's our hope. So um, I, I want you to turn in your Bibles. I'm kind of obsessed with with. um. Well, first of all, I'm just obsessed with Jesus. Can I get an amen in the car? Amen. Obsessed with Jesus. Uh, but I also absolutely love this story uh, and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to do a little I'm going to do a little. um. I'm just going to kind of set this passage up for you guys. This this passage is talking about Hannah. And, you know, we've heard about Hannah. Um, if you've, uh, like I said, been in church any amount of time, I understand my audience. I know you you guys um, most of most of you have attended church a long time. But here we have Hannah in First Samuel one and uh, she's married to Elkna. Now, now this dude, he's got two wives. OK, Hannah is one of his wives. All right. And one of the things that I love about Elkna is that he goes up every single year and he participates in the sacrifices uh, that he that he is supposed to do every single year but he ha- married two women he married Hannah and he also uh married I'm sorry I'm looking for my text here I, I lost my place uh Penina and I'm gonna pick it up in verse four first Samuel verse four, verse four when the day came that Elkna sacrificed He would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all of her sons. She had a lot of sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her. Because the Lord had closed her womb and it happened year after year. As she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and she would not eat. Then Elkna, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Hannah rose after eating, drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple. He was the priest. She greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. I'm just going to stop there for a minute now. Now, this is an interesting concept. And, you know, God really drew me to this passage as I was talking about hope. You know, Hannah, back in the day, uh, it was a big deal for women to have children. It was a status thing for them. They were worth a lot if they could have children. Um, And if they couldn't, they kind kind of um, not only were they viewed as worthless, they kind of were worthless to to their society and things like that. that. That was where their value was found and here we see um Elkna married to Penina. Uh, She had sons, she had daughters, but he also was married to Hannah. And it says the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Now, I know for a fact, just based on the society of that time, that Hannah desperately wanted to have children. You can see from her reaction when Elkna said, why are you crying? And am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? Um, You know, so we see her desire. We see that her hope was Non-existent. But the interesting thing about this is—is is it says in in verse six right here how her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her room. It happened year after year. As she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Now this is so interesting to me. And maybe it's something out of this passage that you've never gleaned from before. Penina its talking about Penina. The other wife would look at Hannah and would provoke her. And would make fun of her based on the fact that she did not have any children. And this just makes me mad reading this as a woman. Like, how dare she uh, kick her when she's down? How dare she provoke her when she is is completely destitute of hope? It's making it worse and worse and worse for her. So clearly, when Hannah went up to the temple, she was greatly distressed. And very, very frustrated. I'm of wondering, Lord God, why, why provoke literally means arouse a reaction of emotion, typically strong or unwelcome. Her rival would provoke her. Now Hannah had uh, Penina as her rival, but I, I I know that the Bible tells us that Satan is literally our rival. So I wonder today if there is something physically about you that you cannot control. Maybe you're single and you've wanted to be married for years and years and years, but you cannot control it. You haven't met anyone. God hasn't brought anyone. Maybe you can't have children, and you you physically cannot produce them, and you feel like the Lord has closed your womb and the. the. The doctors have told you this, that, the other. Um, Maybe there is something in your circumstances right now that you can't not control. And Satan is coming in and he's provoking you and he's making fun of you and he's making you angry and he's upsetting you and he's stealing your hope. And he's saying, he's saying it will never happen. God, God cannot do miracles. Listen to what everyone has said. I am here to tell you today that God sees you exactly where you are. Here we see Hannah um, in verse 10. She greatly distressed, pray to the Lord and wept bitterly. Verse 11, she made a vow, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my afflictions of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor will not come on his head. Now she continued praying. The priest Eli was watching her mouth. He thought she was drunk. And Eli said, how long are you going to be drunk? And she said, oh, no, no, Eli, I'm not drunk there, buddy. Um, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. And then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you your position petition that you have asked him. Now, I feel like someone who can't control their situation is being provoked by the adversary today. And that he's telling you all these sort of things. And you maybe even this morning were, were weeping as you put on your makeup or as you combed your hair, or as you were in the shower. Maybe this week you were weeping because you can't control it and all you've lost all hope. Well, it's interesting that that's where Eli met her, greatly distressed. After she poured out everything to the Lord, what happened? She left peaceful. Hope is the avenue to peace when God, when you can pour out your heart before the Lord and you can make yourself raw and bare before the Lord and you understand that he meets you right there. He di- a lot. Of, I didn't get saved at a church. I got saved about to commit suicide in a room in my house. I didn't get saved in, at the church. If you are greatly distressed, that is where God comes and he meets us and he does the miraculous through. So I want to, you to be your, your hope to be restored today. The prophet Eli looked at her and said, the Lord grant you request. And guess what? She had Samuel, who I believe is the greatest prophet that ever walked on this planet. Some of you, your hope is provoked today. I also want you to go over to John 20 and we're going to talk about another lady. And this is Mary, Mary Magdalene. She went early to the tomb, John 20 verse one. She went early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone was already taken away. This is right after the resurrection. She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said, they have taken away my Lord. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. They and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciples went forth and they were going to the tomb. They ran And they stooped in and they looked. I'm paraphrasing here, of course. And Simon uh, came following. He entered the tomb and saw the linen wrappings there. And the other disciple went into the tomb and he saw and he actually believed that Jesus was resurrected. But verse nine says this, for as yet they did not come to understand the scripture. He must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes. Verse 11 says this, but Mary was standing outside of the tomb weeping. We see another woman weeping. We saw Hannah weeping. Now we're seeing Mary weeping. And so she, as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one on the feet where the body of Jesus had been laid. And they said to her while she was weeping, remember the priest Eli met Hannah while she was weeping and she had just poured out her a heart before the Lord. And he said, go may God grant your request. And he did. And here is Mary. Uh, she's sitting there weeping. They said, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them because they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they have laid him. Her hope, Hannah's hope was provoked. Her hope, um, she thought, was stolen. Here, um, she had walked with Jesus. She had been close with Jesus. Jesus she did, she did miracles all around her. But she, even though she had seen the resurrection power of Jesus, she did not believe what he said. So when there was no body in the tomb, she wept because she literally believed Satan replaced her hope. With this idea that someone had stolen the body of Jesus and she believed it. And it's interesting here in this passage of scripture, um, where have they laid him? Verse 14, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And in the next verse, she he 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 calls her name, and she kind of comes alive and realizes she is staring at uh, Jesus the Christ. But Satan comes to steal. Kill and destroy. Satan stole even Mary Magdalene, who walked with Jesus, who saw faith in a bodily form, who saw the great and faithful one, who who was a close friend of Jesus. Even Sa- Satan even got to her and stole her hope that Jesus actually could do what he said he was going to do. And when Hope looked her in the face and said, "Why are you distressed? Why are you weeping?" She still didn't recognize him until he called out her name if satan can get her to be discouraged and to be frustrated and to be um uh uh, uh, uh totally have a hope deficit he can get us so when uh, jesus saw her you know of course immediately she said why are you weeping woman and I guess I'm just kind of asking you that today. Let me remind you. Let me kindle up hope in you. Why are you weeping? She knew what he said. He, uh, uh, What she was believing was a complete lie. Satan had clearly come in and manipulated and rearranged and replaced her hope with a lie. Have, has that happened to you? It's time to restore that hope, guys. It's time to restore it. Jesus is calling out your name. I have one. One other uh, person I want to talk to you about today. And I just feel like, you know, sometimes God catches us and sometimes God catches us and we are um, destitute in our spirit and we have no hope. Um, But what if God comes in and he makes you laugh? You know, lack of hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. These women were, were definitely destitute of hope and they were distressed. But what if you just completely 100% given up uh, on hope and it's just ridiculous to you? Even the fulfillment of a promise is ridiculous. Uh, Genesis 18 says this. And they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. Abraham, of course, is talking to two angels and Jesus, God. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which is beyond him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Verse 12 says this. Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I had become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I was old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Those of you that maybe have given up, maybe you're not distressed in spirit anymore. Maybe you're numb. You're numb to the promise. Maybe you've you've gone through the distressed. You've been provoked. As far as um, Mary was concerned, you've believed a lie about hope. And it's been replaced. But here we see Sarah, she's totally given up. She's numb to the promise. It ain't going to happen. I mean, they tried through Hagar and, you know, that was a giant disaster. And here, all of a sudden, we see God giving them, although it took a long time, the very thing he promised. And she laughed. I ask you today, where are you? Because if God has given you a promise, he will fulfill that promise. Stop listening to some a voice that is provoking you. Stop listening when your hope is replaced and someone is stealing it from you and stand on the promise of God because when it comes, don't be caught like Sarah laughing at something so absurd. I want you to be expectant for the promise because he is the faithful one, the faithful and true. Love you guys. I'll see you next week back here on the Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles Program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.